Blog Talk Radio. everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. <sighs> what happens when we live all emotions, thoughts, and body feelings as love 
as opposed to just searching for love. When we do so, we find we're free to give to others without need or fear. And that love is the power in pure heart consciousness. This is your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of to underprivileged children. I am also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 titles to choose from, many of which we've discussed on this show, including The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, The Courage to be Free by Guy Finley, A Message of Hope from the Angels by Lorna Byrne, and of course, Dr. Bernie Siegel, who has been here numerous times, So all you need to do is search for his name, and you'll see a number of his books on audible.com. The best part is you can listen to audiobooks on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. Audiobooks are great for your commute, you know, while you're cooking, working out, all those times when you can listen but you cannot read. Audible.com offers tens of thousands of titles, including bestsellers, romances, thrillers, and much more. Every book is read by a professional narrator, including leading Hollywood actors such as Jake Gyllenhaal, Kate Winslet, and Claire Danes. And if you sign up at our URL, which is audibletrial.com slash energyawareness, you get one free audiobook along with a one-month trial of service. So write this down, www.audibletrial.com slash energyawareness to find books of interest to you. We appreciate all of our listeners, and we're so grateful for your support This is just a little bit of a way to give back to you. Remember, the site is www.audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. We are still waiting for our guest, Robert Williams, to call in. And while we do, I'm going to play another song for you. So if that's all right with you, just stay tuned. We'll be here as soon as the song is over, and hopefully Robert will be with us. So hold on.
Our guest here, my guest, Robert Williams, is considered one of the world's foremost experts in subtle energy engineering and technology. He is an inventor, musician, and educator. He lectures at leading universities and is the inventor and developer of quantum code technology. In addition to teaching music at the university level, Robert recorded and performed with such artists as the Beach Boys, oh my gosh, I love them, Paul Horn and Charles Lloyd. He's worked with prominent scientists including Dr. William Tiller of Stanford, Dr. Beverly Rubick of Berkeley, Dr. Rustam Roy of Penn State, and Dr. Stuart Krasner of UC Irvine. He is the author of Love is the Power, One Man's Journey to Heal the Heart of Humanity, which is our topic for discussion. So welcome to the 
show, Robert. So very grateful that you're able to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I am wonderful, and it's such an honor to be on your show. I love your show. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Well, I love your book, but I have to say some of the questions you might not like. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that up front. No, I, I have I'll so many you, questions. <laughs> I'm an open book. I'm an open book. You can ask me anything. Okay, great, because the story is absolutely incredible, and I want to thank you first for sharing it with the world. And that's probably a good question to start with. Why did you decide to do this? Because there are things in here that some people would be like, oh, I don't know, and, and could be construed as maybe you were, you know, a little out there where the buses don't run or something. Yes. So why, why yeah. did you decide to share it? And why now? Because I think the timing's perfect, but why now? Uh, it's a wonderful question. I, you know, I haven't wanted to really be proactive in sharing my story, or nor was I pursuing um, the idea of writing a book. But I have a good friend who just uh, who's in Australia, and he would ask me about different things, and he said, you know, you got to write a book, and he convinced me. So, but I think what you alluded to just now is more is more relevant, and that is. We are all together in a group awakening, blossoming process. I think none of your listeners are um, foreign to that concept. This is an amazing time, and it, it arranged in such a way that a blossoming can really happen. And so that's why I wrote the book. The, the, the experience that I had in 1979, the near-death experience, I always remember that as a group experience. That was an experience where unity was the reality, and our differences were only glorified with that unified um, reality and that in that golden um, prism of possibilities for this planet. So I guess that's my my simple answer: is that I had a buddy in Australia said, "Write the book." And then cosmically, I feel we're all participating. We're all located in a certain way in our own body minds and our own uh, perception of, of uh, what this time is all about. And we're all contributing to this global awakening. And I agree with you. I think that there is a global awakening and that many, many, many people are, are working toward goodness and peace and wholeness and unity and, and we can see that everywhere. You know, all you have to do is turn on your TV set, which I, I don't do often. <laughs> but this actually leads Good idea. really yes. This actually leads really well into my next question because in your book you state that you are very fortunate to have been chosen to experience the earth at this time. And when I read that I thought, hmm, I don't believe I was chosen to experience the earth right now. Rather I believe or I should say I believe my soul chose to experience the earth at this time. So who do you believe is doing the choosing? Right. It, you're, you're absolutely on the right target. I believe, first of all, let's just kind of do a reverse engineering project. You and I are talking. I have a, a, a mind, a, a, an emotional body, uh, my, my physical body and my voice, and your listeners have, we all feel like we're kind of separate, right? And that's, that's the reality. We are separate. We have different bodies and different minds and different emotions. But fundamentally, fundamentally, um, this is a unified experience. We are one truly in the heart. So when, uh, when I said this was a privilege to experience 
earth at this time or something like that goes for all of us because it is it is our soul's choice our higher selves choice you could say and our and our also our sacrifice because we were all born at a time where there is still suffering there's still cruelty there are still terrible things happening and we don't like that we want something better and we have we are we're all born with an intuition of something better we're all born with a a hope and really a uh, a place in our hearts that knows it can be better and that is a precious state of consciousness and it is it is unique in the history of humans um and i can talk more about that and how i came to have that opinion but that's my that's my simple answer this is this is our greater consciousness that has chosen to be born in the darkness and there's a saying that i love in that it's always darkest before the dawn mm-hmm. but the dawn always comes after the dark night and and this is an exciting experience to see the beginning of the light and in some of our lives a lot of light now shining where once there was only darkness and suffering. And and it's great growth for everyone. And I too believe that, well, it's, you know, the whole thing is duality. We're human, so it's the whole duality factor. However, having said that, there, there's a, there's a huge amount of me that says, but we're not, we're all one. And therefore as a human, we're going to do things like or repair or, you not come from your heart, but the moment, the moment you know that, and, and as you practice it, you get better at it, you can step aside. You can take yourself out of the picture and say, okay, no, I'm not going to compare. I'm not going to judge. That's not fair because we're all in this together. And, and you really find that you can't judge another person. You can't compare yourself to another person because their journey is theirs. Yours is yours. It's all to make the puzzle a beautiful picture, but we all have to do what we aim in to do, regardless of what it looks like from our perspective. What I may think is wrong is not wrong for the person who's doing whatever it is because that's their, that's their function. That's what they came in to do in order for mm. their own growth and the growth of the planet. So I kind of look at, yes. it, look at it that way. You know, it doesn't, it, there is no wrong. Even though I might not like things, I have to remember, oh, but there really is no wrong. This is all that everything has to happen this way. Does that make sense? It sure does, and and there's yeah there is a grand that one of the one of the wonderful gifts we we have is free will, and I do believe we have free will and and the ability to choose. Now, most of us are kind of wrapped up in the river of life, and we don't exercise our free will as much as we know we can. Um, you know, we're born into certain families, and we're certain geographic considerations and all these things um, tend to uh, confuse us at times that we start to feel like we don't have that much choice. And really the choice that we do have can and will and must make the difference. And that is, I think, one of the the gifts. And it's one of the, um, you could say, the golden experiment. Can we have our individual consciousness and have that motivation for wholeness and once wholeness is realized not negate our individualities not to let going not to let go or not to diminish our our sense of individual uniqueness and that is 
this this whole time period is about those two polarities. We are one and we are individual. We are full of unity and we are diverse at the same time. And the union of those two actually comes through the heart. The fourth energy center, not metaphysically, but in the reality situation, it is the heart of humanity that is starting to blossom open. And I think that is one of the most fascinating and really most precious gifts of this time. And for me, as a representative of the human race, or as we were all experiencing in 1979 on some level or the other, is that like the seasons, humanity is going through a stage, a phase transition, a quantum shift, a sudden um, transition into a higher state of consciousness. So I see this, I know this, and as we have our own free will, we can choose to participate with that in a conscious way or, or not. And either way, you know, it's kind of like once the, the springtime, the seeds are going to start popping up, uh, whether we like it or not. It's just one of the laws of nature, and that's the precious time we're in. But it, I don't think it's, uh, I'll use the word difficult or challenging, as it seems when it's stated in a way that, you know, you might, can you maintain your individuality? I think you can because if you truly come from your heart, if everything you do comes from that place of love, if you really think, okay, if I do this, how's it going to affect the whole, the greater whole? And is if it is for the better of the greater whole, then it's automatically better for you as a person. And once you do that and you live from your heart in gratitude and love, your yeah. life gets better because of that, and therefore you're yeah. always going to live from love and gratitude. It's kind of a vicious circle that's very good, and it's not hard <laughs> to do, and it's better for the whole. So to yeah. me, yeah, it makes sense to, you know, it, it's a teaching people how to live from their heart. This is what I do in my practice. I, I, I Oh, you missed that part of the intro. <laughs> I did the intro before you called in. <laughs> I, I'm an, um, an energy Sorry, and, and positive that. psychologist. Yeah. That's okay. I'm an energy therapist, a vibrational sound therapist, and an energy and positive mm. psychology therapist. So I, it's, you know, all just energy therapy. And I just really, when I'm teaching people, it's like, just live from your heart and always think, is this for the greater good or am I doing this from just for me? If it's just for you and it's not for the greater good, it's not even going to be good for you. So, you mm. know, if you put it in that perspective, I think it's easier and yeah. in that way yeah okay and then it is for the unity of everything and, and the duality kind of goes away automatically it's not as hard as people think it is that's right you know uh for anyone who's who's a parent we know those moments when our child cries when the infant cries we're not thinking, what do I do? Uh, what's the best thing? There's an automatic response, and it's effortless. Mm -hmm. And when love becomes more prevalent and when love becomes more um, comfortable on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, then it, it's effortless to extend that love out. It's effortless to give it out. And, and yeah, I think we're, we're, we're talking the, just a little bit two different perspectives of the same truth mm -hmm. but they're both true in mm -hmm. that in that we we are in this in this transition of the uh the um i suppose the ignorance or the illusion that if we don't at some point we might lose out on something if we don't fight for it or if we don't put a wall around it and and we're in this transition where certainly there are 
places on the earth where we have to protect our children, we have to protect our food, we have to, you know, look out for ourselves, certainly, and there's bad things happening. At the same time, there is a unified blossoming that's, that's in process, that if we allow our attention to go there and release some of those other worries or those other um, concerns when appropriate, if we know we're safe, for instance, we know our children are safe, then this blossoming effect it's, it's like an enticing, it's like a, the music that you just will automatically listen to. It's effortless. It's there. We, it's, it's now we're hearing it, and it doesn't really take that much effort to, to tune into something that's beautiful. That's true, and it also is, uh, um, let's see, when you, when you give, live from your heart and you give of yourself without expecting in return, so it's that unconditional love, and, and that phrase has been used over and over again, and it probably has too much usage because people, you know, if there really was unconditional love in this world, there would never be divorce, okay? So there are conditions on right. love. It, probably the only way that there is con- unconditional love is between yourself and your pet, and then some people are really nasty. But, you know, for the most part, they, pets yeah. always give unconditional love. But to a parent, yeah. to a child is, for the most part, unconditional, but not necessarily the other way around because the parent needs to earn their love right. from the child. But, you know, when I look at that, I think if you can just learn to just put the love out there and not care if you get love back, and that's there the difficult go. thing to do. But if you cannot yeah. care if you get the love back, you will feel so different and so much better, and you'll be living at a higher vibration not saying you're better than anyone else. No one is. We're all equal. No one is better than anyone else. But you're looking at things from a different perspective in that it doesn't get to you. You don't react. You don't react. Your blood pressure yep. is lower. It's all good. So I think that it's, it's a difficult process to teach people, you know, just go with the unconditional love and forget about it. Who cares if they don't love you back? Well, you know, people are like, well, well, wait a minute. I care. And it's like, no, really don't. Just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> That's really hard to do. <laughs> once once you get it though, it's kind of like a wave that you catch. At first, it's, it's hard to catch, yeah. and then once you, it's a beautiful wave, you know, to ride. It's 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 it really is a wave of energy. That uh, it does take practice. It does take yes uh, a, a little bit of repatterning. But I'm totally with you. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And everything is energy, and you can. And energy is transmutable, uh, malleable. You know, you can. It's flexible. You can mutate it, but you can't kill it energy it just changes form it just doesn't go away so you might as well go on the good on the good high and go for the ride rather than living in it's hard work to be depressed it's hard work to be downtrodden so you know if you just go the other way and not care you'll find that more things that you don't care about and you're just putting out good so that well that's interesting And, and i liked that part because that's what i was gleaning from what i was reading in your book now you also stated that transformational events change your reality at the core. Do you think that's true for you because of the transcendental meditation? Or do you think it's, it's possible for those people or some of the experiences that you had for those people who didn't experience any events or, or practice meditation to alter their reality in a powerful way? It's inevitable. It's inevitable for all of us, for all humanity. That's what I believe. Yeah. The, it, it, it's, I, I like to use the analogy of, of a plant in growing. So we have the seed, it sprouts out, it's a little sprout, it pokes up over the, on, on the earth and it starts to grow. It's got the stem and leaves. So this is an autumn, as long as there's an environment that's conducive for the growth of the plant, the growth is automatic. And then the biggest change for this particular plant or most plants is the blossoming into the flower. 
and that is always preceded by chaos. So this gets into, um, so, so two things. One is that our awakening is not, is not an effort goal-oriented process. Our awakening, especially our, our, the mass consciousness awakening, is, is programmed into nature. It's programmed into our own biofield, our own blueprint of consciousness. And yes, we are co-creating with that. We've probably talked about that in different ways. We are co-creating this blossoming, but at the same time, the blossoming is a blueprint. It is a inevitability. Now, the only thing that we can wonder is, is it going to be this much by next week, or is it going to be this much by next, you know, in two years, or what's going to happen? Is it, two, was it 2012? All these right. things are, you know, interesting uh, uh, conversations we can have inside of ourselves or with each other. But my experience in 1979 was the awakening of humanity, the blossoming of the heart chakra in a mass way is, is part of the program. It is absolutely inevitable. And so there is a, a sense. And then, then there's a, a release of uh, concern about the the kind of the big picture, the divine plan, if you will, and more, more responsibility for each moment. How are we living each moment? Because the blossoming is happening. The sun is coming up after the dark night. We are awake at this time. We have experiences with others that have opinions like ours that we're kind of resonating with, and we're starting to feel new families and new relationships at this state of consciousness. This is automatic, Right. And your show and the, what motivated you to pick these topics and speak out and be proactive with this precious information that you're giving and others, all part of the blossoming. You know, this is, if, we, if we look at it that way, we can see that there are tremendous signs and that, okay, so you asked about transcendental meditation or techniques. I don't, first of all, any kind of meditation is good because it allows us to see ourselves or allows us to abstract to the point where we can find ourselves greater than whatever we're thinking in the moment or whatever we're feeling physically or whatever we're feeling emotionally. So especially TM because it's so effortless. It is, you know, we begin to witness those dynamics of ourselves. And then as we go into activity, there's a little bit of that witness that remains. And we know that we're greater than our bodies and our emotions and our minds. At the same time, we are in our bodies. We are emotional. We're, all, or we're thinking creatures. So it, we don't want to dismiss the value of that. We actually can enhance the value of those aspects of ourselves because of this consciousness. So I recommend meditation, any kind, any, you know, pausing five minutes a day, all those things will allow us to become more aware, you could say, of the rising sun, the thing that is automatically in our own hearts. And when we look at it, you know, when we look at a sunset, I'm taking a little tangent, but I love this. When we mm-hmm. look at a, a sunset, the geometries of the top of the sun to the horizon and the circumference of the sun, you know, this is where the saying, uh, is it a coincidence or is it? Are coincidences God's way of remaining anonymous? Because mm. the geometries of a sunset actually are the same geometries in our own very DNA. So when we 
when we stop and just look at a sunset, which has been going on for thousands of years, you know, why do people stop and look at the sunset? What's the big deal, right? Because we are, there's something there with that moment that is resonating with our own DNA, our own self. We're seeing a reflection of the beauty of our own selves. And in fact, when we look at anything that we say and feel is beautiful, plants, natural things, sunsets, mountain ranges, these are geometries and you could say codes that are only reflections of who we are. And that's why we say they're beautiful. We haven't taken a vote, you know, on some things. But <laughs> in, in nature, in nature, you don't have to just like, well, is this, how many people think the sunset's really cool? You know, it's just that's a built-in. We're seeing ourselves. And, we, and unfortunately, there are some people who don't stop. And they will eventually. They will because the mm. sun is going to get to the point where it's going to set and it's going to rise. And the benefits of that sun and the, and the rays of the sun will, will benefit them even if they're not paying attention. Eventually, you know, this is what group consciousness will do. It will blossom in a sudden mass way. That's what's been programmed into existence. And, and that's, that's very true. I think that uh, a lot of people, in order for them to stop and smell the flowers, as it were, um, would be, it would come to them when something horrific happens sometimes. You know, they wake up, you get a diagnosis, and it's not good, and you get through it. And the perspective is always different. I see it in my patients all the time. It's always, always yeah. different. You know, so that can do it. Yes. In a very big way. Always. Uh, it will always, yeah, the dark night of the soul and the tragedies. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I think I, I, I want to share is, is this horrible reality of sudden people suddenly dying or tragedies or children getting killed and these are horrible things that when consciousness consciousness reaches a certain point point they they won't happen like that i i i guarantee you what can i say i'm just an individual but i but as far as giving us hope um of the end of cruelty and suffering to that level it's 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 not going to last. It's not going to last. And 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 the fact that we've had to endure such tragedies and feel that level of grief, that's part of the sacrifice of being born at this time, being born before the sun is completely up, being born during the dark night, and participating in the awakening. And that's where the co-creating comes in. That's where our free will is precious because we can make a difference in terms of how quickly this this dawning or this awakening can happen. And, you know, it's funny you bring that up. I, um, I do volunteer pediatric hospice work, and that's challenging for me. Um, I think it would be yeah. for most people. And yeah. these children know what's going on. These children know where they're going. The people that you're really there for are the family. You're really not there for the child because the child knows exactly what's going on. They know what they came in to do. They tell you where they're going to go and who they're going to see, and they understand mm. completely. Yeah. I think, yes. though, in the past, I'm going to say, I'll go to 20 years. In the past 20 years, in looking through the newspaper and reading obituaries, and you just see two or three a day, and now you see pages of them, people are jumping mm-hmm. off this planet like there's no tomorrow. They're opting out left and right. And I think that that has to do with the fact that maybe the energy of the planet and all that is going on, the transformation process, the awakening process, is too much for them, and they're just they're just getting out. Yeah. So we have compassion and we, right. yeah, we have, we have empathy. We've all kind of 
at one point or another, I bet you, I, I'll just say I have. I've gone through some horrible dark nights where yeah, you I have. couldn't find meaning. <laughs> I've, yeah, I just couldn't find meaning. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't make sense of the level of, of suffering, not only with my own body, but with others that I saw as well. And, and going through that, if I can share going through that, there is, it, it is not a, an end when, when there's a tragedy. It's, not, it's a process of reorganizing, and I don't believe in when we die, we, that's it. You know, that's it. Yeah. You know, I, there, I've, I've seen the whole uh, dimensional level of the reincarnation process and, and how we return to our own souls and return to our own essences and how we then can reconfigure ourselves to participate in a physical way again and maybe not it's just it you know this is a group effort on all levels to awaken this planet and um so if i can if i can share this part of the of this dark night that mm-hmm. uh is it, so it's 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 a slippery slope because we want to honor those who have suffered tragedies and not dismiss or um, discredit their own grief and their own levels of despair. But at the same time, we want to, through it with our hearts, um, radiate that vibration of hope and, and a, uh, the reality that, that things will come around again, that things will um, release the strain of cruelty and reorganize into this, this awakening of consciousness that, that is inevitable. Yes. And, you know, one of your one of your dark nights, I'm going to quote this from your book, is when you stated that the pain overtook you. It was not just my bodily pain. However, it was the pain of every human being on Earth. So I read that. I was like, okay, wow, that is a wicked whole bunch of pain. (laughs) I I get migraines and they are beyond debilitating. But I also believe that our soul, when we are in trauma, it and and I I believe I've actually seen this happen because I am doing a lot of hospice work. I, you know when you when you see somebody come in who it, unexpectedly the trauma hits them. I think the soul leaves the body. That's where the shock comes in, so that you don't feel the yeah. excruciating pain of the unexpected yes. trauma. How in the name of all that is good did you experience such profound pain and not succumb? Time. I just, I just uh, held on to my sense of timing of this planet and my faith that um, uh, that things are are not doomed and that the crying of so many millions of people and billions um, are not going to be tears in vain that our our collective cry of of help for help uh, is heard and the question is well if if the gods are are loving or if God is loving if if the angels are loving then how can they allow such pain and suffering Um, it's not so much that they are allowing it it's it's actually just the opposite they are um, participating every moment with us to to pave the way for this natural cycle 
of blossoming. And it's just, it, it is, we, we go into this mysterious conversation of how did it all start? Why was there ever suffering? You know, why did, why did Eve eat the apple? And there's all these different ways in which the different religions and the different philosophies have uh, talked about suffering and why. And on the, on, usually there's a, there's a, a sign of hope in any of the indigenous cultures, philosophies, and religions. But I disagree that it's up and out and away from this gorgeous planet. That was my experience because I did go up and out and away from all the physical pain and suffering, and I was in a, in a place, of, place of complete bliss. And, um, and my, my karma, if you will, wasn't to stay there. My karma was to come back into my body and see that that very same light can show up in physiology, in our daily lives, in our hearts, coming back to our heart connection, coming back to the, to the compassion of our, of our um, painful times and the understanding that even those kinds of experiences are here to come to pass. They, are, they come here to pass. It's like somewhere, that we, and he came to pass, and it came to pass. It came to pass. So that's time. That's time. And a good farmer knows that in the dead of winter, he can't see the crops, but he knows right. the process. He knows that the seeds are there. He, and so that's what we all, in our own depths of heart essence and heart knowingness, we know that those seeds will sprout and they will grow. It is inevitable. We don't know exactly when. But it's coming. It's upon us. And those are the signs that we love to recognize and, and talk about. And that's one of the things you said earlier in this conversation is that it's much easier to keep our – to allow the attention to go to those conversations, to allow the attention to go to music and loving communities mm-hmm. and, and, and events that, that are glorifying this, this, uh, this amazing beauty that we all share on this planet, in this planet, in our bodies, with each other. Well, I'm going to say thank you, first of all, because when you went through that process of the pain of every human being on Earth, I was on the Earth, and I think that I probably was in pain at some point, as we all are as human beings, and you took that on so that you could ultimately get here and and write this book. So I think everybody needs to say thank you when they see you. (laughs) <laughs> First of all, I think them. For, I think them. It, you know, for, for taking it on because you know sometimes you take when you take on somebody else's stuff. Well, every time you take on somebody else's stuff, it relieves them a little bit. So that's you know that was a cool thing to do for all of us. Uh, I would like to talk about because this was a really neat part of your book. When you swam with the dolphins, you felt mm. unconditional love. And, oh, my gosh, I could feel it through the book. I knew. I was like, yeah, I get that with animals. When you look at them, we have bears in our yard. We have a heron. We have baby foxes, bunnies. You know, you name it. They're all here. So in my mind, it's so easy to experience unconditional love with animals. But you did a whole lot more than just swim with those dolphins, didn't you? <laughs> I did. And they did a whole lot more with me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this was in Kealakekua Bay. For all of your dolphin lovers, everybody knows Kealakekua Bay. It took me a while to learn how to say it. But that's where the wild dolphins, the spinner dolphins, come in. 
um, every day, and, and they come in, and they're wild dolphins. They come in, and, and, and if you're lucky, you get to swim with them. So I was there, and because I had grown up as an odd child, seeing things that most people didn't see, seeing nature spirits and hearing things that most people didn't hear, that's another part of my story or the story of a lot of people. Um, I, was, I was swimming with the dolphins, and I began to, just as an experiment, with my eyes closed, you know, we have a snorkel, so we're under, and I began to project out some of the symbols that I'd seen in my near-death experience. These are sacred symbols that are part of the programming element of this time of Earth, and we can come back to that. But I began to just project those out, and the dolphins recognized those symbols telepathically. And because I, you know, even, even me, I get skeptical and I wonder whether this is really happening or am I going crazy or, you know, I've gone through all of those uh, questions internally. And this was after my. Uh-oh. Well, we just lost him. I'm sure he's going to call back in. <laughs> call back in, Robert. We are talking with Robert O. Williams, who is the author of Love is the Power, One Man's Journey to Heal the Heart of Humanity. This is such a fascinating book, I have to tell you. It runs the gamut where, you know, if you're skeptical, it will help you to, to learn. And even if you're not skeptical, sometimes there'll be questions that you'll ask and think, wait, what? This can't be real. This can't be true. Um, he's had such an incredible life from the time he was a child, and you heard him just say that he was an odd child. And it wasn't that he was an odd child. He just had experiences that most children don't have. All children are special, and all children are equally um, inquisitive and, and have experiences. But his were beyond what you would consider the norm. So in getting this book and reading it, there's so much to learn. It's absolutely fascinating. It's easy to understand, and it is really only like 164 pages long, I think. And so you can get an 165 and you get an awful lot of information out of it that will help you with your own process. So to me, this was a very, it was a quick read. It was fascinating. I love this stuff anyway, as you know, for those people who are our regular listeners, you know that I'm really into quantum physics and, and the whole energy thing, but his experiences are such that it gives you hope and to know that if you don't already know that there's something beyond what we live here on this planet we call home earth and there's just so much there's so many questions to have we're not going to have enough time to get to them all tonight which is unfortunate because his book is is powerful we haven't even uh, touched on his quantum code technology which i want to talk about because this is an application that he has that he's invented that will help people to have a better life and there's a challenge out there to do so. So as soon as he calls back in, I would love to be able to ask him those questions. Um, he was speaking about the dolphins that he encountered in Hawaii. And uh, part of that story is that he was able to actually communicate with them. They understood each other. And it was as though they were speaking English to him. And he was, of course, replying and, and fascinated by it all. And, and I would bet that if you're doing that with animals, um, you would begin to think if you were kind of a little cuckoo because you thought you were talking to them. But the way the animals displayed to him, the way that they played and the way that they had him follow it, it, them 
and taking him from cold water to warm water because they saw he was shivering or protecting him from sharks. It's an amazing, that alone is an amazing story within the book. So uh, do go out and, and check out this book. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore. You just need to ask for them. Still waiting for him to call back. He should be calling back so that we can continue the conversation for a little bit. So don't go away. Uh, again, it's Love is the Power, One Man's Journey to Heal the Heart of Humanity. And it is written by Robert O. Williams. And he actually has two websites that you can check out. The first one is www.healtheworldproject.com. So just spell that out, H-E-A-L-T-H-E-W-O-R-L-D-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com and www.1-O-N-E-O-8.net. So be sure to check both of those websites out. And he is back. Robert, you're back. Yay. The, the dolphins. I, I lost you in the. I lost you in Kealakekua Bay. The, How did that happen? Yes, you did. I don't. I don't think the dolphins were coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> so I just went on and on. Where did I lose you? You lost me. Um, well, you know what? I kind of continued the story a little bit, and I, I because I didn't know. Yeah, I said that the dolphins were actually you were communicating with them in English, as it as it turned out, and that was verified by yeah. the way that they were playing with you and helping you, protecting you from sharks and taking you out of cold waters into warmer waters when you were shivering. So that's kind of what I told. <laughs> you told it a lot better than I could. Now I know why they cut me off. You tell a better story. I don't think so. I don't think so. More truthful. <laughs> yeah, I do. So let's okay. So let's hopefully we stay connected. Sorry about the cell phone and I, my other yeah, landline. Yeah, I don't know but what's going anyway. on with the phone. You know, that's the universe doing stuff. You know, that the universe wants Playing to do. But I found that part of the dolphin so fascinating because, you know, we're often told that dolphins do communicate with humans, and you actually got to experience of that, and I was envious. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm telling you. It was it it was a an experience of of heaven on earth to be swimming yeah. with them, and and just their their patience and their they're always just radiating out everything you said they're radiating out as a conduit for our own connections with our own truth with our own high self with our own realized reality in our bodies the dolphins have attained that not all of the dolphins I don't know if you heard that part. But no. a lot of the dolphins, and some of the dolphins are, are master dolphins, just like we have enlightened ones in human bodies walking around and blessing us and loving us. Same with the dolphins. And so that, it was another confirmation that uh, we're not alone and that we're in a field of love that's moving in various ways to the blossoming of the heart. It's it's amazing because I think that we have so much to learn from watching children and we have so much to learn from watching animals yes. and we really yes. do and it just all comes together. I, before we go off air, I want to be able to ask you about your uh, Quorum One Percent or Q One Percent project to improve the quality of life and and really about the quantum code itself, the quantum code technology that you have it, it in the book it says there are 108 ideal life supporting codes or sacred natural energies how are these transmitted is it subliminal how does this work do tell us about this part of the work that you're doing because this is fascinating there's two ways that they are transmitted one is that they are in nature so we're talking about planet earth and our bodies come from the earth they're in our bodies in our cells in our bio, so those 108 
precious frequencies or codes are our blueprints for our awakening. They're already everywhere. So that's, uh, that's number one. Number two is that because of this age of technology and science, we've been able to um, identify those, those codes and broadcast them with electronics. And in fact, the milestone experiment, now I heard a click. Are you still there with me? I am. I'm here. I'm here. Okay, great. So, the, so working with some very smart scientists and engineers, we were able to broadcast those 108 mandalas, those 108 uh, codes through cell phone. And so when talking about cell phones, when you dial a friend and your cell phone connects with that one other cell phone or you download an app, a game, let's say, so your cell phone has one discrete identity. You could say in, in the universe, you know, your cell phone. When I call your cell phone, I'm only going to get you unless there's some uh, distortion or some interference. But if mm-hmm. I get you, then we have that connection. So, so we have an app that you can download and get on your phone. It's called the Heart Plus app, and you turn it on, and the same frequencies that we're talking about that you were born with, that is, that are everywhere present, um, are enhanced. They start to be generated through your cell phone. And Dr. Beverly Rubick, biophysicist from the University of California, Berkeley, did the study, controlled double-blind study, and found that with the app on, your heart rate variability improves, which is a medical um, diagnostic uh, evaluation for the health of your heart. So if heart rate variability improves, that means stress goes down. And she found that with the app, which is just these 108 frequencies, it's like being in the garden, being in the future garden of humanity. The, the heart becomes stronger. The physical heart becomes stronger. You're less likely to have a heart attack. Your stress is, is lower. So that is one of the big breakthroughs of this time. And, I'm, and my fortune is to be participating with this gift to humanity. I think it's going to, you know, a dollar or something, it's, it's going to be affordable for anybody with a cell phone or anybody, hopefully, and we can get it to those who don't have cell phones. But that's this Heart Plus app that will soon be available for, um, for all of us. Okay, so I have a couple of difficult questions, but I need to ask them because that's my job. <laughs> Do your job. So, I'm, I, okay. I, I, can I hope I can answer. And, and, yeah, and, and I'm not being mean here. I just really want to know because I, I'm concerned. So these, these you call them man, uh, mandalas, are everywhere, and we can, can we see them? They're everywhere in nature. Can we see them? Or then you call them frequencies. Yeah, so I, I jump around with the terms. They're, they're energies, they're frequencies, they're codes. Um, we, we don't want to say frequencies because those are, there's, these are terms that don't quite describe okay. what, um, what we're talking about, but we don't have a term for it. But these are uh, subtle energies, you can say. Um, okay. We, we have our physiologies, we have our chemistry, and then we have our subtle bodies, our biofields. So in, there's, a, there's a good term. The biofield is a, by the NIH, to describe mm-hmm. the energy in and around or the field of energy in and around each of our cells to govern the homeostasis of that cell. So, so science has advanced to the point where we know that we're more than just our chemistry. So when we get right. into that domain, there's not too many words. The aura, it's chi, it's life force, it's prana, mm-hmm. um, you know, magic. It's, it's something that is 
uh, not chemical, but it affects the chemistry. So that's that's why I kind of jump around. But okay. there are uh, ways in which energy is vibrating that uh, that are blueprints for evolution, blueprints for the 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 blossoming of the stem to the rose. There are energies that are responsible for that to happen. And so the same, in the same sense, there are energies responsible for the blossoming of humanity, for the blossoming of the species of humans on this planet. Those are the frequencies, and they're found in the Vedas. They're found in a lot of the ancient uh, uh, religions. They're kind of coded in there. They're, they're found in some of the, the, um, the uh, artwork. So that's, that's what I'm referring to. Okay, because I play quartz crystal singing bowls as part of my vibrational sound therapy, and it's solfagio-based rather than diatonic notes. And that is frequency-based. And those frequencies, yeah, they beat against things just like chemotherapy and radiation beat against cells. Everybody thinks it's a liquid that makes it disappear. No, it's actually hitting against each cell and breaking it up, which is exactly what the hertz are doing through the frequencies as I play the quartz crystal singing bowls. So yeah. I, was cons- I was wondering what that was. But one of the things that, that interested me, and kind of like, it, it kind of, because I like to be in control of what's going on in my body. So, you know, I was one of those people who ever did drugs or anything like that because I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to not have control. The random number yep, generators, okay, there are a lot of hackers in this world, and some are becoming very adept at their technical abilities. If they use their work for good, wouldn't this be wonderful? But what would be to prevent someone from using your technology in a negative way? Because love can only be interfered with to a certain point. And if, if consciousness when consciousness reaches a certain level, then there's, there's no, it, it will be almost impossible. And at a certain level, it will be impossible to harm somebody else because the consciousness of our connectivity will be prevalent in each of our actions. And it, at, it will be the baseline for each of our thinking, each of our thoughts. So um, if, if the, the technology is, is, is human, it's, it's the gift of this time. It's the gift of this, um, the blossoming, I call it the, the whole evolutionary scheme of things to move into a place of greater love and then eventually to be predominantly filled with love uh, and also glorifying our differences in individuality. So the, the technology is not mine. It's just we found a way to put it into cell phones or to broadcast mm-hmm. it through cell phones in different ways so that the technology is, is, is at the basis of, you could say, Evolution. I don't want to step on any religious beliefs here, but the plant will grow from a seed to a stem to a rose, and that is those are functions of universal laws and frequencies, subtle frequencies that are that the plant grows into, uh, following that blueprint. So, like that, humans collectively are growing into a higher state, and that's what this technology does: is enhances that natural process that's already going on. So that quantum code technology, basically, you're saying it cannot be hacked. It can't. It can't be hacked. No. The uh, the uh, kind of like uh, mother's love, if it's true, okay. if it's real, it could be interfered with. You, you know, you, we can, they can, whatever, make the phones not work or something like that. I'm just okay. kind of. Thinking, thinking yeah, out of the but box they can't, they can't make it like subliminal so that it's something weird. 
they can't make it subliminal, so it's something weird. Nor can you go to a, a mother and and you know dis, dismiss dismiss or diminish that that purity of love. Um, and I, you know, we can use our imaginations. You have bad things can happen, but this yeah. technology, that's the purpose for it, so that less and less bad things happen, more and more heart things happen, and more and more loving things start to happen automatically. Yeah, and that itself will perpetuate. Right. Right, and so that's what you're swimming. It's it's that's right. The dolphins, they're radiating out, and your heart, every heart is radiating out. We're not individual, isolated things here. We're all connected, and and that is and the the ideal connection of this time and the ideal of our higher potential is through the heart chakra. It's with the heart, and that's where the word love comes from. Love as a state of consciousness, not necessarily well, I, as something we do, but as a state right. of being. It's something we be because we yeah. were created from the source of love. So therefore we are love. We're just love. There you go. You're I mean, right. I said that to somebody and they said, well, you can say that your last name is love. And I'm like, no, seriously, <laughs> everybody is love. <laughs> Everyone is. Yes. It just happens that I have that last name. Like Michael Love, no relation. <laughs> oh, darn. It's a great name. I know. <laughs> I know. It is a great name. I love my name. It is a great name. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're beyond at the top of the hour, Robert. <laughs> but before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they can purchase your book, Love is the Power? www.108.net. One is spelled out, O-N-E. And then the number is 08. So 108.net is where you can get all that. Okay. And I gave them that while while you were cut off by the universe. <laughs> oh, okay. So they got it twice. Well, that's good. So they got it twice. Well, Thank you me. know, sometimes we need to hear things a couple of times before we get it. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need you to stay aware so you can navigate easily and live the life you're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting. Please be sure to check out our charitable organization for kids, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every penny of every donation goes directly to children in need. We are run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries or stipends, no compensation of any kind to anyone. We are Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. And we believe in by investing in a brighter tomorrow, we are giving them a better today. Thank you for taking time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.